Well, good morning. First, we've got to make sure, am I on? Because otherwise this won't, oh, there we go, I'm on. Now we're uh, able to greet all of you who are watching online today. Good to see you as well. And we're glad you're here for the in-person service for family worship this morning. Uh, I did want to share with you uh, as we finish already the last Sunday in January and finish our first series of the years uh, that, that you will invite somebody to come with you next Sunday. We're going to start a new series called Addicted to Ministry, Addicted to Ministry. And we have some great things to look forward to uh, in the month of February uh, if you are not in one of our Bible study classes during the 9.30 hour, I want to tell you a little bit about those. Uh, we have graded Sunday school classes for all children's ages. Uh, we have a youth Sunday school class for, uh, for our young people that meets down in this wing. Uh, Eric and Christy Fallon have a study group that they're doing uh, with the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Uh, and then we have uh, a small group that meets for those who are 65 and older. Uh, we have a ladies' class that's a long-term ladies' class. Uh, we also have a, a short-term ladies' Bible study that's going on right now, a men's Bible study. And then here in the auditorium, we have a group that meets uh, going over the book of Genesis called Beginnings. And so looking forward to seeing what God does in the month of February in our classes. Okay, well, we have covered four important gifts that God has given us to manage on His behalf. Purpose was the first one we looked at, and then family, friendships, and resources. And now this morning, we're going to see that leadership is a trust. Leadership is a trust. And I want you to start heading toward the book of Third John, okay, the Third John. And it is a tiny book sandwiched in between 2 John and Jude, almost at the end of the Bible. If you get the Revelation, you've gone too far. Third John is what we're looking for today. And in this message this morning, we're going to be reminded that leadership is influence. I like what John Maxwell says, uh, if you're leading, but nobody's following, you're just out for a walk. And, and leadership is not a title, it's not a position, it is influence. Influence that is given to us by God to use for His glory. And, and the way we guide others is a trust uh, that we will be held accountable for uh, as to how we lead those that God allows us to influence. So let's look at Third John this morning. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou hast walked in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. 
I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Now, you didn't know that you were going to read a whole book of the Bible today, did you? That's pretty crazy. We just read a whole book of the Bible together. And as we have just read, Third uh, John is a letter all about leadership. It is a tale of three leaders. And we're starting to talk now uh, from your notes, and the notes are in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. They're also on the YouVersion app. And this is really a tale of three leaders. This this book is written by John, uh, who was the last surviving apostle of Jesus. And he was in his late 80s or early 90s by this time, growing closer to his own appointment with death. And here he's pouring advice, valuable advice, uh, into young leaders around him. And when we say young, uh, people in their 70s were young to John, right? How many of you feel like people who are 50 years old are still young, right? 50 years old, still young. How many of you think that people who are 50 years old are older than the hills, all right? That's the kids coming from that. You're 50 years, oh my goodness, right? But the closer you get to 50, it doesn't seem that old anymore. And once you pass in, you like those young whippersnappers, Right? They come and rake my yard, and I'll give them a dollar. Um, I mean, John, he, he's so old that the young people were in their 70s. Right? Some of you maybe are starting to feel that way about other people. Uh, but the, this tiny book is a masterpiece on leadership. And here in this book, John's spiritual shepherding of church leaders, uh, which he learned in person from Jesus is given to us. And it still resounds just like it did in the first century. Now, in December of 1965, okay, the year 1965, uh, in that year, and some of you will remember this, you people in the sound booth hopefully will remember this, in 1965, in December of 1965, some of you will remember this, uh, a brand new black and white show came on to television for the first time. And it was called The Dating Game. You guys remember this one? Uh, it was hosted by Jim Lang. They had a run of eight consecutive years. And a little-known TV trivia here. Uh, this show is where Tom Selleck first went on television. And he had no mustache. Okay, uh, Steve Martin... Arnold Schwarzenegger, Burt Reynolds, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
And some other famous people went on the show too. Uh, many of them before they were famous. And uh, typically on the show, they would introduce the audience to each bachelor, and he'd tell a little bit of his story and his background, etc. And then a bachelorette would question the three bachelors with questions that she had written on cards. And uh, they were hidden from her behind the screen. She couldn't see them. She could only hear their answers. Uh, but the television audience, you could see both. You could see the guys and the girls. And uh, by the end of the show, she would choose one of the bachelors to go on a date with. And this was back when TV was wholesome entertainment. Uh, and when the show was syndicated in the 70s, I still remember my mom sneaking an episode every now and then. And like the Beverly Hillbillies was a stretch for her. I mean, uh, and I, I thought we might have a little game of our own today. And it won't be a dating game, uh, but it will be a game where we get to meet the three contestants listed in 3 John. Uh, so first, let's bring him down. Our first contestant is Gaius. And here he comes. Coming down the aisle. Come on in, Gaius. We're... Looking forward to meeting you. Would you guys welcome Gaius to the stage? Thank you, Gaius. And let's learn out who he is. Go ahead and flip your, uh, flip your name tag so everybody can see who you are, Gaius. There you go. Yep. And, and from Gaius, we're going to learn something today called leadership internals. Now, that's in your notes. So leadership internals. And I want you to go back and look at some of these characteristics uh, uh, for Gaius, as Paul writes to him in 3 John. So check out again verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. John wished for Gaius that he be healthy. Okay, now does he look pretty healthy? This guy looks pretty healthy, right? It's kind of a specimen. We don't need a show. We don't need a gun show. Um, he's a pretty healthy guy up here today. Um, and John wanted him to be healthy, but he also uh, didn't just want him to be physically healthy. He wanted his soul to be healthy. He wanted his soul to be healthy. Now, this isn't something that we generally think that much about. Uh, I mean, health care is a big deal. You may not realize this, but in 2019, before the pandemic ever hit, uh, about 3.8 trillion, with a T, dollars was spent on healthcare just in the United States. That's 3.8. Uh, there are doctors for every little thing you can think about. Uh, there are podiatrists for the feet and nephrologists for the kidneys and otolaryngologists uh, for the ear, nose, and throat, and dermatologists for the skin. But we really often don't think as much as we should about soul health. And John knew that the foundation of leadership is soul health. Okay, so soul health, the foundation of leadership. Gaius had a prosperous soul. Now, what is a prosperous soul? Well, Scripture reveals to us that it is a contented soul. Okay, a prosperous soul is a contented soul. Uh, like Paul said in Philippians 4, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, 
therewith to be content. And one preacher said he'd never been to Texas. <laughs> if you read the verse, you get it. He said, whatever state I've been in, I've learned to be content. Now, he was talking about a state like being rich and poor and uh, being weak and being strong. Uh, but, you know, that's one of those preacher's jokes. And sometimes people don't get preacher's jokes. Um, it's just that weird thing. But I see there, he got it now. Thank you. I like that he got it now. Now, there are actually scientific studies that tell us that happy people, satisfied people, people with healthy souls, contented people live longer than people with unhealthy souls. Isn't that crazy? Now, now why talk about soul health in a letter about leadership? Well, here's why. You can't lead other people spiritually unless you have a healthy soul. Now, I want you to look at what John says next about Gaius in verses 3 and 4. He says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And by the way, if you're a parent, that is a pretty good life verse, isn't it? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And, and so we see this, walk in truth. Walk in truth. Uh, here, here's what we know. This second characteristic of Gaius, what do we put? Oh, the principle of the past. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, you cannot lead others on the path unless you are on it, okay? Now, that's kind of common sense, isn't it? You can't lead others on a path unless you're on it. It's impossible to lead other people toward truth if you aren't headed toward truth. And this goes back to a principle we have mentioned many times called the principle of the path. And here's what the principle of the path is. If you've never uh, been here when we've talked about it, you may want to write this down. It's so powerful. Your direction always determines your destination. Your direction always determines your destination. Uh, here, here's what most people think. Now, this is crazy, but they actually think this. They think that your intentions determine your destination. But your intentions don't determine your destination. Your direction does. Now, we see this uh, in our city. We see this in our state. We see this nationally. Uh, we have uh, leaders from all political parties, some are apolitical, and they get up and talk about these intentions. We need to do this. We need to work on this. We care about this. We care about this. And then the citizens go and elect them. Now, what do they elect them based upon usually? Their intentions, right? And uh, do you know we've had politicians for multiple, multiple decades who have intended to knock the national debt down, right? Have you checked lately to see if they were able to knock it down? It seems like maybe their intentions didn't determine the destination. You know what determines the destination? The path. You have to get on a path. If your family doesn't live on a budget that is... Uh, just tight and conservative and live by what you make, you're going to be in debt too. And, uh, you know, any group of people 
that wants to end up in a certain place, they actually have to get on that path. Now, this is the biggest thing. It's a huge problem. The path you're on always goes somewhere. That's why John was so thrilled that Gaius was on the path of truth. Spiritual influence only happens on the path of truth. Now, this is all common sense, right? You can't lead others on a path unless you're on it. Now, I want you to check out verses 5 and 6 for this last characteristic on Gaius. Look what he says. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sword, thou shalt do well. Here's this third one. Leadership is about bringing others forward. Bringing others forward. Uh, Leadership isn't about how many people you lead. It's about how many people you bring forward. It's not about summiting Mount Everest for yourself. It's about how many other people you get to the summit. Gaius was all about moving other people forward on their journey. And if you're a leader, that's what God wants for you. But let me warn you that moving other people forward is a task that requires a lot of patience uh, because people move at different speeds in their spiritual growth. Sometimes they go one step forward and two steps back, right? People also go through different seasons in their spiritual growth. And if you're going to be a person of influence, you have to patiently move other people forward, sometimes in spite of themselves. Uh, I, I love what Paul told Timothy in the Second Timothy 2. And uh, I want you to look over at it. It's, it's a powerful principle. And uh, I want you to be able to mark it if you'd like to. And so we'll turn to it. Second Timothy 2. Look what he says in verse 25. This is a powerful leadership proverb. He says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You ever tried to help somebody who was their own worst enemy? It's not easy to help other people when they're their own worst enemy. He said, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And look at verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And so Gaius is this guy uh, who really focused in his life on soul health, on the principle of the path, and on moving others forward, bringing them ahead in life. All right, you guys ready to meet the second leader? Here we go. Let's bring him in. Da, 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 da. Trophies. Here he comes. Oh, yeah. He got the swagger. Yeah, he got it. This young man coming up here. <clears throat> right. Diotrophies. And <laughs> this guy, Diotrophies, I'm telling you what, uh, John, who was a, a disciple of love, who was this beloved disciple of Jesus, you read this section on Diot- Diotrophies, he doesn't have much good to say about him. 
In fact, if you read it again in 2nd, 3rd John, verses 8 and 9, do you know how many good things he has to say about this guy? None. Zero. None. I want you to turn back there and let's see this. Uh, because Diotrephes gives us the opportunity to learn just as much as Gaius did. Uh, but from Diotrephes, we learn leadership traps. We learn leadership traps. We see what not to do. Okay, now, now this is crazy because sometimes you can learn more about what not to do from somebody than you can from what to do. Right? Isn't that crazy how that works? Uh, you may have been at a place where you worked and it was just for a short time, but you learned very quickly there what not to do. Right? And there are people in life you've learned what not to do. Now, we're going to find out some things about Diotrephes from the Scriptures here. And, and let's see what God says about him. So Diotrephes is one of these people that, that you learn what not to do. And John, as we mentioned, didn't have any good things to say about him. Look at verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. You know, the first thing we find out about Diotrephes, it's all about me. It's all about me. You know what Diotrephes hates to hear? That people think it's all about him, even though it's all about him. This is the pitfall of preeminence. Diotrephes yearn <clears throat> for titles. He yearned for status. He wanted the highest seat at the feast, just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And everybody could see that Diotrephes was all about Diotrephes, except Diotrephes. Now, we all know people who are always looking out for number one. But this characteristic is hard to see in yourself because you can justify your thoughts and your motives and your actions even when nobody else will, right? There was once a beautiful angel in heaven named Lucifer. But Isaiah 14 tells us that Lucifer wanted preeminence. Even above the Creator who had formed him, he wanted to be in charge. He said, I'll exalt my throne above all the other angels. I'll sit in the sides of the north. I will be like the Most High. You can see in Isaiah 14 that the lust for preeminence didn't work out for Lucifer, who we now know as Satan. And I'm sure it didn't work out well for Diotrephes either. By the way, it won't work out for you. It is a huge pitfall. Now look at verse 10. He said, Wherefore, wherefore if I come... I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Another thing about Diotrephes, Diotrephes was never satisfied. He was never satisfied with anyone else. Now, this is the opposite of soul health. Do you remember our guy, our soul health guy, Gaius? 
This is the opposite of this guy. See, we got soul health and we got not satisfied. There's opposites here. And, and if you think about his expectations, diatrophies, his expectations for himself were very low. Right? He didn't expect much of himself. But you know what? His expectations for other people were impossible. He wanted them to be uh, even better than they could possibly be. This is the pitfall of pride. The pitfall of, of pride says this, I'm the only one who can do anything right. Nobody ever gets anything right but me. And you know what happens with the pitfall of pride? Blame, blame, blame. No acceptance of personal responsibility. His fault, her fault, their fault. It's the pitfall of pride, and it is not a good pitfall because we find out in the Scripture that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride comes before destruction. Once again, pride is not that visible in the mirror. We can see it in other people, but it's hard to grasp in ourselves. And, and the critical spirit that accompanies pride is not pretty. It doesn't just tell other people they're at fault. It lashes out with malicious words. It's mean. And this pitfall is crucial to note because proud people have a hard time maintaining influence. Uh, they might get it initially because they're loud and flamboyant and charismatic, and they've got personality. But it fades and fizzles quickly because nobody likes to be demeaned or manipulated. Those aren't endearing qualities in any relationship. And if you think yelling at your spouse or your kids or your employees will make them like you more, you might be a diatrophies. Because Diotrephes thought that he could demean other people and move ahead in life. He thought he could manipulate other people and move ahead in life. But you can. Did you catch the end of verse 10? It said, Neither doth he himself re receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. This third part about Diotrephes, he had no concern for others. No concern for others. This is the pitfall of position. The pitfall of position. Diotrephes didn't care about other people. He didn't care if they were moved forward on their journey like Gaius did. He didn't care if they're walking in truth. They're on the path because he wasn't on the path himself. He was on the path of position, more power, more recognition, more about me. Me, me, me. He's ready and willing to use people again and again and again. And it's a huge pitfall. I so remember uh, the early days of our church planting in the north end of Boise. And uh, Amy and I, were, we took a tiny church plant with six adults in 1998, the north end of Boise, and kind of nurtured it into a church. And and uh, over those years, we were so excited when new people came to church. And if we saw somebody driving in the parking lot, you know, people just started jumping for joy. And if they drove back out the other side of the parking lot, it would like let all the air out of the balloon. 
And uh, we're so excited because we needed help and we needed people and we're desperate. And, and so we'd have somebody come in and like on their second Sunday, we'd ask the guy, hey, uh, have you ever played a radio before? And you're like, yeah, I played the radio in my car. Okay, man, you're the new sound man, right? Yeah. Have you ever sung out loud where people can hear you? Oh, yeah, I did once. Well, you're the new worship leader, right? And, and over the eight and a half years in the church plan, we went through hundreds and hundreds of people, tons of people. And it took lots of disappointments and lots of looking in the mirror to realize that even if we didn't mean to, we were looking at people for what they could do to help us instead of looking to see how we could help them. And I tell you what, that's a Diotrephes move. Diotrephes cared more about what people could do for his agenda than he did for the people themselves. He couldn't care less about them. In fact, sometimes he drove them out of the church just for kicks and giggles. I think we all understand that Diotrephes and his story are given to us so that we can learn what not to do. And sometimes that's the most powerful lesson. Now, let's meet our third and final contestant. Okay, third and final contestant, Demetrius. Demetrius. And here he comes. Come on down, Demetrius. Now, one of the things we find out about Demetrius is that there's not a whole lot said about him. Okay? He's kind of the understated participant here uh, within this passage. Gaius is the one talked about most. Uh, then Diotrephes, because there's nothing good to say about him anyway. And then we got Demetrius. But, but John did highlight a few good things about Demetrius. And the key to Demetrius is this, leadership externals. Okay, so we saw leadership internals with Gaius. Now we see leadership externals. And in one verse, verse 12, we find out some important things about Mr. D here. Mr. D, Mr. Demetrius. First of all, we find out that he had a good reputation among the people. He had a good reputation among the people. Uh, everybody uh, enjoyed who he was as a person, okay? He had a good report of all men. Nobody had anything bad to say about him, right? His wife even liked him, right? His kids liked him most of the time. And everybody kind of thought he was a good guy. This is what Paul calls blameless. Not perfect, but blameless. Means you have a good reputation in the community. People respected him. He was honest. He was honorable. Uh, he was considerate. He showed forth the fruit of the Spirit rather than the works of the flesh. And uh, so we see in verse 12, Demetrius hath good report of all men. Now I want you to notice this next one because this is so important. Look what it says in verse 12. It said, Demetrius had a good report of all men and of the truth itself. And of the truth of itself. And, and so we had, he had an authentic life. There's this good reality of an authentic life. You see that little phrase again, and of the truth itself? 
Demetrius didn't just have a good reputation to other people. He had an authentic life that showed forth Jesus. Now, remember, this only happens long-term if you already have the characteristics of a Gaius, if you already have these internal qualities, if you already have a healthy soul, you're walking the walk, you're on the path. Uh, if you're phony, like diatrophies, it's eventually going to come out. All right? You have to have a good report of the truth itself. And boy, I like that phrase, the truth itself. Now, you may have noticed that when God talks about truth, He doesn't talk about somebody's opinion or somebody's personal truth. No, there's just truth. There's truth and not truth with God, right? There's no wiggle room. There's nothing to toy with. It's either true or it's not true. Uh, I like how Jesus lays it down. He said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. That seems pretty plain, right? It shouldn't take a hundred words to answer a yes or no question. It's either true or false. It's either yes or no. We live in an era when many leaders cannot give you an honest answer about things, and it has trickled down quickly to our kids. It has trickled down quickly to the entire society. And I, I tell you what, there's no wiggle room with the truth. And that just because people on this earth claim to you that certain truths have changed, you can go to the bank with this fact. God's truth doesn't change. Never has, never will. But if your reputation wouldn't stand up to God's truth test, then eventually the backstage of your life will come out on the front stage where everybody sees what God already knows. Now, out of these three guys, they all have faults, right? They've all got issues. They've all got weaknesses. But one of them allowed all of his backstage issues to keep growing and growing and growing until now they're out there where everybody sees what a lousy guy he is. <laughs> and I don't think I have to tell you which one it is. I mean, nobody likes the guy. He's pompous. He's arrogant. He's mean to people. He uses people. And everybody around him knows it's all about me and mine and mine. And we even have some children pointing at which one it is now without me even saying his name. Yeah, we, we have this thing where God already knows what's going on. And at the end of verse 12, John puts this interesting confirmation. Look at verse 12 again. He said, Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record. You know that our record is true. So John says, listen, I've watched this guy. I've seen it for myself. He has a good record of leadership decisions. And that's his third characteristic, right? A good record of leadership decisions. Our buddy, Mr. D here, uh, had a record, and it was a good record. Now, here's the fact. You have a leadership record, too. No matter what your position is in life, you have a leadership record. And every time you follow through and keep your word, 
Every time you really listen to the needs of someone else, every time you bring somebody forward on their journey, you gain leadership points. Leadership points are the words we mentioned earlier. Influence. There are people who have had and still have great influence on your life. Not because of a position, but because you know they really cared. Because they brought you forward. Because they were honest with you about an area of weakness in your life. Influence is an amazing gift of God. And, and so that's Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. And if you're going to pick one of them to be like, please don't pick door number two, okay? Uh, would you give these good sports a hand? They did a great job. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, fellas. And we, we picked uh, Brother Sidney to be Diotrephes because we knew that in real life, he's really not like that at all, okay? So that's why we did it, just for fun. Yeah, but, but I want to finish up the sermon this morning with our faith challenge because this is where we summarize today's message into one sentence. And here's the one sentence, and then we'll kind of lay out what it means. To influence others for Christ, we must lead ourselves first. Be on guard against power hunger and show forth Christ in all things. Because leadership isn't about your title. It's not about your position. It's about influence. And influence is always a God-given opportunity to move other people forward. Now, let's apply this practically as we sit here for a minute. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to kind of take this into your heart for a minute. And uh, some people like to close their eyes to focus I'm not trying to do any tricks on you or whatever. If you don't want to close your eyes, don't close your eyes. But if you like to close your eyes to think about it, go for it. Uh, I want you to think about this question just for a minute. You ready? Who can you move forward this week? All right, go ahead. Think about that. Who can you move forward this week? Who can you encourage? Who can you lift up? What's that name that God's putting on your heart right now? Who, who is it that God wants you to encourage? Would you be willing to talk to God right now about the influence he's given you? And, and would you say something like this? God, what's the next thing you want me to do to encourage the person you laid on my heart? And it might be your son or your daughter or an in-law or a grandchild or coworker or a friend, somebody in your small group. God, what's the next thing you want me to do? Now listen, if you're ready and willing to ask, he's ready and willing to show you. Leadership is just helping other people move forward. That's all it is. It's helping other people move forward. And God has somebody he wants you to help move forward this week, to encourage them, to bless them, and to lift them up. And uh, God, uh, we're, we're going to pray to our God and ask Him all together to, to help us uh, to do this very thing this week, to encourage the other people around us. And, and so I'm going to pray out loud. You can pray in your heart. Let's talk to God about what He's laid 
on us this morning. Father, thank you so much that we could come to this place today and get in your word. We thank you for the example of what to do and what not to do that we've learned from your word. And in this area of leadership, I pray that you would help us to set aside the pursuit of positions and titles and power and to seek to move other people forward. Keep our souls healthy. Help us to stay on the path so that we can lead other people on the path. And right now, would you place on our hearts somebody that we could bless, somebody we could help this very week. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 